Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Iron Radio again. This is Phil Stevens. I'm here rolling semi-solo today. I'm Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach, power lifter, uh, Highland Games athlete. I run Strength Guild, liftforhope.org, and various other things. Um, and today, co-hosting with me is uh, Mr. Paul Carter. So, Paul, hey, how's it going? Hey, brother. Thanks for having me on. No problem, man. It's you're driving around the country, uh, always busy as usual. Yeah. Um, so, thank you for joining us on short notice, too. Yeah, I cleared my schedule with uh, with several supermodels so I could uh, fit this in. So I hope you feel good about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, as demanding as your life is right now, it's 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 very uh, fortunate of us to have you on. Um, there's women all over the world that are <laughs> Paul's in high demand, and uh, so I feel pleased just to. Get close to him here, but uh, yeah. I always like to make like my trips out there to see you. Yeah, and I like stroking your ego too a little bit. So and well, you know, just being close to you. Right. So. I like Mister Musk. <laughs> um. Anyways, I want to start off with a little news, and then me and Paul talk some training, and then we'll get to the topic of the day. Um. Strength and muscle sport news. First off, we had a bit of news that uh, Dr. Lowry passed to me, and it's um, he thought I'd be the, the, the best one to talk about it. Um, and it's kind of about these, these dirty little facts about bacon. And, uh, you know, it's been huge in the news lately in nutrition. And uh, everybody just touting how great bacon is. And um, normally, you know, nutritionists and whatnot, they, they really look down on bacon. And so this, this story on the Mercola website kind of broke a lot of that down. And uh, just um, went in and, you know, talked about the fats. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's so so loaded with saturated fat, this and that. And he goes in and they kind of do a nutritional breakdown of bacon. And most people aren't aware that it's mainly, it's 50% unsaturated fat. And like 40% of that is oleic acid, the same as in olive oil, which, uh, you know, olive oil, people are all over it. You know, like it's the next greatest thing. So, and people don't realize that, you know, bacon is largely made up of that and then uh, you know the next thing there's stuff like nitrites and things like that and everybody says get nitrite free bacon and it goes in and talks about that um, the process to make nitrite free bacon is actually nitrite free but the problem is is that the process they use it actually it's nitrite free to begin with but um, then in the process it actually creates more nitrites than actually nitrite non-nitrite free bacon um, you know, it goes in up there, it talks about the, you know, the vitamin E in it and the, the fat soluble vitamin D and crap like that. So, I mean, I'll post this thing up on the Iron Radio Facebook page so everybody can go take a look at it. And, uh, you know, I think everybody should just go enjoy at least five or six pounds of bacon a week just to stay healthy. That's what Paul would recommend too, I'm sure. He's, you know, I, I know you did that on purpose because, 
You know, I think that, and here's my thing about making, I don't really care. About, <laughs> like, I don't care about the nutrition. About, I just think the whole baking craze is, like, I think baking is, it tastes good, but I just don't, I don't get, like, the erection and orgasm thing going on that most people get with bacon. Like, I, and I like bacon. And, like, if you know, I come out and cook me up a, a pound of bacon, I'll, I'll fucking eat it. But, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, I don't get the, like, there's people that have, like, this, they wear shirts and hats. And, you know, um, like, bumper stickers about bacon. And I'm like, it's not, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't even have a vagina shirt. I mean, I will die way more than bacon. Okay? <laughs> and I don't have a shirt that talks about how my love vagina on it. And there's guys running around going on and on, you know, incessantly about their love for bacon. And I, so my whole thing is just hoping to get the bacon. It doesn't surprise me whenever somebody breaks down a, a food from a nutrition standpoint that oftentimes, especially for, the bacon is still an ounce food. It still comes from an ounce, right? I mean, yeah. There's something process about bacon per se. It still comes from a pig. Yeah. So it never surprises me when something that just comes from nature, how we were intended to eat it, has more benefits, of course, than, you know, and people get carried away with the fact that they Oh, yeah, they get carried away. And, yeah, the craze has gone a little overboard. Um, right. You know, I agree. But, I mean, yeah, this it, this study came into just some, some great points. You know, it says, of course, you're going to get you're going to get what you pay for. And, you know, that there was some Harvard study that came out where people that ate bacon were 50% more likely to die. But they neglected to point out the fact that all the people they used in the study, like, wrapped their bacon in white bread, and they were also smokers and didn't exercise. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> I got I, I saw a good one day. A hundred percent of people that drink water will die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Exactly, and it's one of those things. I mean, we see it in this field all the time. Not only with nutrition, but training. It's no matter what what you're into, you can find a study to back it, and vice versa. Whatever you're against, you'll find some study somewhere to 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 fill your point. You know, the, here's the thing about about eating. And, uh, and it's, a, it's really the exact same thing about training, is that you do need to eat in a way, a couple of things, that, that helps you recover, that that keeps your, I think, that allows you to either grow or get strong, but also not so much that you turn into a fat ass. But the main principle there is that it has to be a diet, whatever the training, that you stick to and you don't deviate from. So it's the same thing with training, right? Like if you're doing you don't enjoy how you're training and you don't believe in how you're training, you only yeah. enjoy, enjoy quit. Yeah. And the same thing with eating and dieting is that if you like a, if you like eating fat, if you like eating protein, if you're eating fat and protein, and if you can stick to that, then you will be healthy. I mean, if you have plenty enough yeah. stuff, you have people that eat that way and are healthy and are needed to shape. If you like carbs, if you eat the shit out of carbs, if you weigh carbs and protein, just manage your fats at that point, and you'll be lean and healthy and in shape. It really just all depends on what you're going to do. Yeah. No, so, I agree. It's... And if you like bacon, and you want to eat fuck a pound of bacon, and I think it's hard to put your mouth to use to wake up and eat a pound of fucking bacon a day. Mm-hmm. And that guy looks okay. He, he That's looks... what it they... No, yeah. and they did, what was it? They posted Pujnowski's diet a couple of years back. Do you remember it was, cho- he... it was chocolate bacon? Yeah, it was cho- it was basically primarily chocolate and bacon. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's now if I could get away with a chocolate bacon diet and look like Mario to live like him, I would do it. 
Yeah. But I, I feel like I might look differently than he does. Probably, but you know, I mean, that's that's okay. I'm I'm on the all cookie diet. It's great. I'm up to. I hit a PR yesterday. I'm at two seventy five point eight pounds. Really? Of pure sexy. It's amazing. Um, I, let me let me tell you. I don't. You are such a you are you're a vagina when it comes to getting weight. Let me tell you something. I ate carbs for three days, and I got up this morning, and before I put anything in, I was two fifty six before I did anything, and that was up from two forty three. Yeah. That's three days of eating carbs. I've been loading. I've been on a cookie, cookie front and back loading for about a month, and uh, it's gotten me most of the way to my goals. I've got four point two pounds to gain, and then I'm going to hold that for about eighteen months. It's right, and then, and then I the transition over into I guess training talk would be that uh, the key is you and I are both going to do a beat October together. Yes, and that's where you want to pull your eight hundred plus. Yes, sir. Yep. But it's 806, right? I just, right now it's anything 800 or over at that meet. Right. And then from there, I'm going to push it up from there. The ultimate goal, of course, is eight, over 856 within the next couple of years. You know, and the thing is that I, I think it'll be there if you're smart about your training. You know, something that a lot of people, I've been writing a lot about lately. Like, you have to be last week for the uh, charity. Um, yeah. We didn't get around to talking about much, but even just in passing, talking about is that that you pulled over seven or seven hundred really easy at plastic. Yeah. And uh, and I asked you, it's like, what have you been training with? And you said just five forty-five for your muscle trip. Yeah. And I've written a lot lately about base from like when I talk to guys about base building, and that's about I'm constantly going into the gym and grinding ninety plus percent base because you cannot do that if you get down. Uh, once you get to a certain level of strength, like, like you, you can if you want to, but you're not going to go where it is. Yeah. And when I come out, and we all laugh about this, we kind of went back and put this in the face. It's really bad when I come out. When I come out, because I've been with the blind spot in the last year, and I'd say probably 25 or 30 past them. So when I come out, it, it becomes a very competitive mode. Yeah, exactly. And we completely abandon our plan every time. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the last time I was out, we were supposed to work into just like a fast, happy single at like, I think it was 565. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's it. I go, that was too easy. We, we need to do one more. Exactly. And we worked, I think we worked up to 650 and then over 700 from midship. And then we ended up doing several sets of three and five. And I remember the next couple of days you texted me, and you're like, I, I can't move. Yeah. And, exactly. Uh, no, no. That jacked up my training for like a month. My whole training man went plan went to shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I had to throw it all out the window because that one day. Because right, we were. I think we trained for three hours that morning. It was a long one. Yeah. It was a long one, and we and we tend to do that because uh, we just have a good time, and training like that is fun. And I think you need those sessions. However, yeah. I, I could I could train like that twice a month, really. No. Uh-uh. I mean, maybe maybe twice a month. I might come out a little twice a month with you and beat the shit out of each other yeah. and be okay, but we have to have some days where we dial the back a bit. But I think the article I posted up, the great, actually just from 
I mean, that's when I when I missed my 804, just barely at lockout. I mean, the heaviest I'd touched prior to that was 625. Exactly. And I came in and killed 725 for an opener. And I wasn't as beat up. And that's just, it's, it's a hard cookie to chew because it is, it's fun to go in there and do like those weekends we do. Um, oh, yeah. Throw something on the bar and let's see what we can do. And and rip it out. But then you got to realize, I mean, it's, it is going to, you get a lot more out of, Am I going to get more out of that one day and then being wrecked or getting a month straight of training in? Exactly. And that's the whole the word there is consistency. It's what's, a, what's one day, of, and, you know, people don't factor in that, that curve is fatigue zone. That you have, your body has to come back out of fatigue to get into super compensation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're constantly creating a deeper and deeper curve into the fatigue zone. When do you allow your body to? And everybody thinks it's a dirty word. When do you allow your body to recover to get into super compensation? And that's what we talked about. Is if, if, if we were smart when I came out, what we do is we load up, say, you know, 5 to 8 to 5 to 5 on the bar, which would be triple, yeah. you know, for eight to that, and, and call it a day and say that's a, that's a productive training session. But like yeah. I said, our biggest problem is that we just want to be shit out of it. Yeah. So, and that's exactly right. The fact is, the one key I think so many guys can come up on, and I think you'll you'll agree with this early on, and probably did this training yourself, was that they want to they 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 don't train for the beat, they train for the gym, yeah. and they they have to know that they're good for something by testing that. Yeah. Now, if you look at like marathon runners or sprinters or any you know any kind of guys that have to peak for their event. They don't train that way. Like, a, a guy that runs a marathon, he doesn't run a fucking marathon every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't run 26 miles every week. He, he, in a few weeks, he's just short. Yeah. So I mean, that was... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, that was, you know, so that was really evident, like, this year, coming up to the Olympics, when Usain Bolt was running. People kept seeing him at the the competitions months coming up to it, and they're like, man, he's not looking good. Right. Um, you know, he was running these, but, you know, it's because he was training for the Olympics. He didn't care what he hit, and he just wanted to qualify. Exactly. You know, and, of course, he comes in and blows it out that one day. You can only, your peak can only be so long. It can only be so long. I don't understand why guys, they don't get. Now, and what I wanted to bring up was when we talked about you hitting your over 800, is that you being Jim, you know, we, we, we went back and forth with him. Jim said, don't make it a six-month goal. Set it like a year, a year and a half yeah. out. Exactly. And you the only way you can do that, now think about this, if you were trying to go in every week at well, seven twenty five or seven fifty, you are you would just get beat to shit. I mean you just yeah. get beat to shit. And like you said, when you just missed that for the biggest lady you touch the training because it's five, the what's been lost I think is our culture of strength training is um, guys not understanding that you're in the gym 
build your strength and not to demonstrate. Yeah. And you don't oh, need I... a ton of weight. You don't need a high percentage of your intensity, though, in order to build maximum strength. Yeah. So let's talk about this October meet then a, a bit. I mean, I've got my plan, plan later. Are you going to – so what? We're in – it's January now. So we got – March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. we got about nine months. Yeah, I got – I have the uh, USPF Nationals in Chicago in uh, May, which you have to come up with. That's always okay. Time. Yeah. And, and so you'll have, peak twice, essentially. Yeah, I'll, I will try to peak twice this year, which yeah. I don't normally do because as you, you and I both know, traveling a long distance, for me, is expensive. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, pretty much I narrowed down my peaking cycle or five peaks because if, if you're training, if you're doing like what I call base building, if you're working in at 75 to 82, 85 percent cell, most of the year, you only need a few peaks to take a few pretty decent heavy sinks to kind yeah. of be acclimated to peak. Yeah. No, I mean, that's exactly the question I was going to ask is, you know, like for me, my plan is I started four weeks ago and right. I'm going to have kind of a mini peak in uh, April, you know, late April. Right. And my only goal for that day is I'm going to go in and kill 725, yeah, so, right. which I mean, I could have done 725 at the last meet, so that shouldn't be a bad thing. Right. And then... uh and then I'll I'll bring it back down and then work from there till October. So yeah, and that's the thing is that you you go in and you, you destroy this absolute smoke seven twenty five and you're like okay I'm good now I back back down and I continue building my actual day focus. Yeah. This is this is a, a basically like an art that the Russians have mastered that nobody is basically in the in like Western culture that we practice. You know, yeah. it's, we're talking, you know, go heavy, go home, uh, you know, you got to go in and, and see that you're good for something. And I basically do the same thing now. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do a piece, like, starting four weeks out from me, and I'll do I'll take a thing that's at 85 one week, uh, 88% the next week, uh, 90% the next week, and then 93% will be my, my, uh, my second attempt. Um, and that'll be, then I'll take a week off, that'll be the beat. Yeah. No, I hear it. Um, and the rest yeah. of the time will just be spent in like the 75 to 85%. Yeah. Um, God, I was going somewhere and I just lost it. That Damn. sounds a lot of direction. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't remember where the hell I was going to go now. Um, jeez. So, um, yeah, so we both got the meat coming up, but and then I, I wanted to mention this meat last weekend. Yeah, so I mean, well, I had a lot of people. I mean, people ask me how I, you know, I've got 15 athletes under me, and I have to do the same thing, and it's just very hard for. I even fight with them sometimes, and they're, "Can I go heavier? Can I go heavier? Can I go heavier?" And it's 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 no. I mean, people just they get past this, like you said, they the gym isn't for displaying strength; it's for building strength. Right. And you know, so we're using the time looking to kill weights. And stuff like that. And, you know, everybody came in. We had a great day. It was uh, lots of PRs. We raised a bunch of money for charity. And now they kick back again, you know, and they're all going to peak out in April for me. Right. Um, but here's my question. You know, I've asked several people this. So we've all been through that stage where it was, you know, go heavy, go home type of thing. 
my question is, and I can't answer this myself. You know, I went through that stage too, where I'd go in and obliterate myself in the gym, and I got strong from that to a point. Yes. Um, so the point my is, question, and that was my, it, it does work for a while, but keep going. So my question is, is, and I'm starting to answer that myself with my own people here, but would I be where I am if I didn't go through that phase? And my, my immediate answer would be, no, you wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And I, this is kind of my thought process behind it, because it's funny how the longer we all stay in this, kind of the more we find ourselves in the same place, you know what I mean, still stop and that's what I think is I think you need those early years of pushing those nice barriers and kind of destroying yourself and figuring things out because the, the body, number one, you're not really, you're not as strong when you start, you know what I yeah. mean? You're not moving the kind of weight that we now, so your recovery time is much better. Yeah. And the other thing is you have to learn those lessons uh, of when you're, like I talk about falling off the cliff, you know, talk about too heavy or too long, yeah. you fall off the cliff and you find that you either go back to where you want to go or regress past that. And you need to kind of figure your own body out that way. And I, I do think that, and I tell new guys this, like, I think that new guys do need to push those boundaries and those intermediates as well. But what I've found is that you don't find a lot of advanced guys or a lot of guys on a people about our age. We're not really old guys. I've got yeah. So the mileage changes. And what I yeah. was about, number one, I don't want to go in anymore and put, you know, 600 pounds or squat your head every week and do that. Yeah. I don't want to. I just don't want to. And yeah. so what I find is that, number one, that, uh, I think that training needs to be, these really be fun. The other thing is, I think that as an advanced guy, uh, like uh, one of those things that Sam Burr talked about in that article, that he, got, he gets to where he gets to the same amount of weight, but he does four or five, five, five sets of five on spots, right? Mm-hmm. But he tries to make, he tries to get where all five sets of five are equally as explosive, and he can do all five sets in less time on the feet. Yeah. So if you got to where you could do, say, 500 and five, five sets of five, and then over the course of, say, six months, you got to Oh, of course. Well, of course you did. But did you ever put any more weight on the bar? No. Right. And so let's get back to your original question you asked. Is, are you, can you get to where you're at without ever going to those times, you know, super heavy and pushing your heart? I don't really think so. So I think that still has to exist in the paradigm of your training life. You know what yeah. I mean? There, there has to be times when you're willing to push, you know, through those barriers and that kind of yeah. thing. I think that No, I agree. And I think a big one too is that you know you don't you never know when to call it unless you know just how much you can actually handle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? By pushing yourself to the freaking limit, and then you know, okay, that's exactly how much I can handle. Right. And so, you know, you don't know what ninety percent of your actual physical capacity is until you know what a hundred is. Um, or until you know. Yeah, and knows know what that feels like. You know, to, to push through that and pass that. And you'll see that. I see it in early trainees that are, 
it's very often I get people in here that are a lot stronger than they think they are because they don't know how to fight yet. They don't know the difference between strain and pain. You know, so a lot of people come in and they start having to work hard on a weight, and they're like, oh, that, you know, they'll, they'll immediately quit instead of pushing through it and finishing the lift. And that's right. something you have to learn. And I don't know if there's another way to learn that besides just bringing yourself to the brink. Yeah, you, you, I think that, you know, what you're talking about is grinding. Yeah. Just being able to learn how to grind for a lift, and I think that's something that you have, you definitely have to learn. Through, you, basically, if you're straining, you have to learn. It's like you said, somebody goes to push, and I see this dude called Todd, I used to train people. They would come to that rep where it just felt hard, and they just, mm-hmm. and they don't understand how to grind for a rep. Yeah. And that comes over time, and that's what a lot of uh, accommodated people would say, well, that's what he used accommodating resistance for. I'm like, you don't fucking need that. Have you ever, not ever taken a set to complete value? Yeah. So real failure. I mean, where you're grinding it out, and you still try for another rep, and you just can't get it. Yeah. And that's what do we, you know, that's what, you know, rep fatigue is about, too. Exactly. And I think that's a lot about, I mean, that's that's where a lot of the mental side gets built. Um. I really believe that, you know, 90, I won't say 90, there's a large percent of lifting is mental. Um, because oh. like if you, if I come up to a bar and it's a bad day, I've, I've already lost. You know, I'm not going to come out and pull a big, big heavy lift just because my head's not in it. If I come up to a bar that's realistic, it's something that I have a chance of picking up and I'm just cock strong confident, most likely I'm going to pick it up. You know, but, unless but, I go for like a 100-pound PR, you know. Right. Now here's my question on that. How do you how do you harness through your training? How do you harness that that well being? Get yourself and getting getting it out. So you have that day, right? You're gonna have yeah. that day. Okay. And a big part of lifting is confidence. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and when you look, you know, I don't know if you know if you do this as well, but can you look at the weight on the bar and do it and know what you can do at the time? Oh yeah. You, you I usually know, know what I'm good for. And you're like, oh, yeah, I got this shit today. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. Okay. The way I think that you harness that is by constantly crushing whatever it is your, your plan program. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's where I feel like that it, it's counterproductive to miss a lot of lifts uh, and programs heavy and grind too much. Yes. Because what happens is, is that, let's say you have five misses on the lift in the past two months. That starts mess with your head after a while. Oh, yeah. So, the one thing, what happened, what do you think would happen to you if you spent the next six months or nine months going all the way into October to see? And you didn't set the lift for nine months and hit everything you planned for. Do you think exactly. your job would be sky high going into that yep. No, yeah, and I've talked about this before. Um, you know, coming into that last attempt that I did, 804, it's been a year and a half ago, whatever the heck it was. I had literally not missed a deadlift in training or competition for three years. Yeah, that's see, that's awesome. And I, you know, I walked up to that bar and I knew, okay, it's eight oh four. I'm gonna pick it up. And I was shocked. You know, I when I didn't make it, I was literally like, oh my god, it's been three and a half years. <laughs> you know, I didn't expect it. I was totally just, and I had no doubt in my mind I was gonna get it. All but right. I mean, and that goes a long way. It's just I was, you know, I was a couple pounds too too weak that day. So, and that's, you know, that's why this whole training cycle I'm on is more than a year long because I don't want to go in and I won't go in and be in that position again. Well, I don't want to just lift 804. I want to kill it. 
right. so. Yeah. You, when you walk up to it and you go to pull it, you're like, don't like my last warm-up. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, no, I mean, you're right. It's a lot of that's confidence. And if you build your training to where you just never miss, I mean, I think misses, sure, they're going to happen, but you should never plan them. And I mean, if you hit something, you know, if it's a heavy day, go for something, but go for something realistic. Go for something you're 100% confident to hit in the, yeah. in the gym. Yeah, you don't have to. There, I found a great article by, uh, by Cohen. And uh, it was, I think it was when he pulled his 901 at 220, which to me, just, I think that's still the, the greatest at the time. Yeah. Uh, even if it was simple, I don't. I mean, it's still 901 at 220. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he trained, his training cycle, I believe, for that meet was to double his opener. And his, like, in other words, his heaviest lift he pulled for his 12 feet training cycle going in that meet was he doubled his opener. Yeah. Think about that. Like nobody programs yeah. that way. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, how do no, you that, that when you see a guy open with a minor? I mean, really? Yeah. You open with something that that you're like, ah, oh, this guy's gonna have a bunch of business. You already know, watch this guy's gonna get a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So it's no, it, I mean, it's, it's the heaviest you pull. You just made a four six twenty five, and I would tell guys, why are you missing less than the chin? Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, that's in my whole plan this time is, you know, I'm hitting 725. I will never hit over 725 in the gym until October. There's no need to. No, there's there's no need to. There's and no need that, to. That's a very it's a very mature aspect. It's a very very mature outlook at training, and it's very it's not pushed by many. You know, it's not popular. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound. Exciting. And you know. it's a, if you want to be honest about it, it's a boring way to train. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it does it work out? Yep. Is it, is it a, it's a boring way to train though? You go in when you're a, you know, you know, when I, I know I squat over 600, you know, no problem yeah. around, and as heavy as I'm going to go for the day it might be 385. Yeah. That's a, it, it's the most evil, it's a boring way to train. Yeah. You have to generally love training. Yes. <laughs> and that's, you know, and, and some people don't. You know, a lot of people don't. But, I mean, that's the reason why not a lot of people are great, I suppose. You know, not everybody can be great. It's, it's, and nobody, not everybody should be. So, I mean, that's kind of, we can leave that for the next topic, the topic of the I, day. That, that sounds like a perfect time to lead into uh, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll take a short break here, and then uh, we'll get into the topic of the day. All right. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact 
uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the protein and resistance exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. US As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history and strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter two on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, so we're back. Again, I got Paul Carter here. And, you know, like I just mentioned, um, uh, not everybody's great and not everybody should be great. And we'll just start off with that. And, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about lifting federations and stuff like that. So, Paul, roll, roll with it on that on that statement. Um, so, months and months and months ago, like a lot of people know that, obviously, Jill and I have been working on the federation, the USF stuff. And, um, he got brought up because a lot of people say, right, okay, well, the last thing that we need is powerlifting is another federation. But yeah. the truth is, the whole reason we wanted to start this is because I feel like there's, there are too many federations, and I know that sounds like a paradox. But what we talked about was there's too many federations that are the same right way because basically they're not adhering to the standards that were set for by the best lifters all time. Yeah. I mean, more or less. Yeah. So we took a long time out to talk to a lot of people to feel like what they felt like was wrong in most federations or how things were being run or ran that um, they felt like was counterproductive to power. Yeah. And we started basically working on the rules from there. And what this was like. So, uh, the thing that kind of, you know, and I, I wrote about this on the blog, and a lot of, you know, we had some people talking about it, trying to critique it, break it down and stuff, but they don't realize that we talked to maybe, I don't know, a dozen or just 20, you know, elite level lifters yeah. that, that go very far back into the sport, that have, you know, complaints about how things are 
are done these days, how, you know, um, if there's world records that, you know, if you and I both laugh about this all the time. If you yeah. tell me that you set a world record, I assume that you'd be, that's the greatest stuff done at that body. Yeah. And that's kind of where we started, was just adhering to uh, the standards of real world records. So I yeah. think the one area that we could say that we're going to be unique in that nobody else is, that you're going to actually acknowledge every world record. Yeah. And uh, so, in other words, if you tell me that you own the Dallas record at 220, I'm going to assume that you own more than 901. Exactly. I mean, it's it's not only that. I mean, like somebody posted this on the the Facebook page. They were like, "We had two choices." His, his statement was, "Why didn't you do? Why don't you just go meet with all the federations and then talk to all of them and then get all seventy five hundred federations to agree to become one federation and go under your rules and this and that?" It was like, "Well, the reason is because that's not going to happen." You know, we had. We had two choices. It's either that, it's either somehow become Moses and be able to get everybody to, you know, part the Red Sea and get all these federations to, to agree and join up, which will never, ever, ever happen again. Right. And waste a lot of time doing that. Or take the a little bit easier road and just create one we believe in and lift in the meantime. And while somebody else harps about all these different federations. Um, you know, and I have no problem with other federations, but... <laughs> well, no problem. I have problems with them. That's why we started another one. But I'm not gonna. I don't want them to shut down. I don't care. They they don't matter to me. Um, what matters is that there's real lifting under real rules. You know where you know if it's going to be a squat and it's going to clear, it, it's got to go below parallel and it has to be under these set of rules. And you know, go back to the days like when we talked to Marty Gallagher, where instead of you know, a judge passes a lift because he's not sure that it was parallel. If, if that judge isn't sure, it should be turned down. That's right. You know, um, if it's not clear that that lift is good, then it's not good. Um, things like that. And, you know, the whole point of, you know, one of the other major points we hit on is, you know, bringing not everybody's a champion, not everybody should be. Right. Um, and today in powerlifting and in, hell, elementary school, you know, you go to a competition, everybody gets a ribbon for showing everybody, up. Everybody gets a trophy. You know, yeah. my, my, my kids played in a basketball league, which I didn't, I didn't know they were going to do Where if one team, because they were, you know, they were younger, like eight years old, if one team got ahead, but nobody, they stopped. So the other team caught up. What the fuck is that? Yeah. What does it teach anybody? You know? What's wrong, I mean, with, being, and, what's wrong with being exceptional? Exactly, and if anything, it's it's good, especially for young children, to learn. Not, not everybody gets an A. Not everybody wins first place. If you want to win, you've got to be the best. You've got to try harder. Right. You know, um, if you want a trophy, you need to get in there and train for it. That's right. Um, and it's not doing anybody any good to, to hand out awards. That's what I mean. I one of the biggest things that got me really thinking about this was about a year and a half ago I brought one of my lifters to he just started here already had a meat lift planned and I was like yeah I'll take you to it and we go and there's 75 lifters and there's 700 different classes yep. um, there's the military masters <laughs> sub masters open one legged competition 
Right. And so it comes down to the end of it, and they've got this huge table of trophies. And they, one by one, called out everybody's name. Everybody who was there got a trophy, and you just, they weren't personalized. You just go in up and picked out whatever trophy you wanted. Yep. And the number 10 guy, he got number 10 in the 40 to 73 age group, um, half-equipped submaster, picked out a, a seven-foot-tall trophy, you know, the biggest trophy there, and he was in, like, 10th place. And it was like, come on. Um, so I mean that's that's one of the other things we're fighting is just that and um, it's turned sad you know and it's not just powerlifting it's not just powerlifting that's turned bad it's you know it's the world in general is just people are being coddled and I'm sorry you're not that good (laughs) you know yeah Um, I don't know if you remember I remember now when I was growing up I don't want to get I'm getting older than that word I start talking about this, I sound like my dad. But <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I he worked you know, he walked uh, uphill, you know, most places mm-hmm. So I remember when I was growing up, um, basically you played football, you played baseball, basketball, I mean, that was that was pretty much it. My practice in the South and if you were good, you started, right? Yeah. If you stuck you didn't see the field, you did yeah. not you know, we were out somewhere, believe it or not, even in sixth or seventh grade championship. Yeah. Now, years later, they started started seeing these rules come in more and more that every, like everybody had to get a minimal percentage of weight. Yeah. And I always thought to myself, why? Like, why yeah. that one kid? Why cost us the game? Why should he get on the field if he's not good enough? Everybody else has to practice. Everybody else has to earn their spot. But this kid could go out and be a full cluster part. And he gets a certain percentage of playing time, so that way everybody can feel good about this. Yeah. And when I coached years later, I hated this because I was forced, a lot of these kids, maybe they were made to play by their parents, you know, uh, yeah. or whatever, whatever reason. They're not out there to say love football. They were out there because their parents wanted them to or wanted yeah. them to play school. But I still got to play this little dickhead. Yeah. He gets to see the field even though he doesn't practice hard, even though he doesn't he doesn't put in extra effort. He doesn't wanna be there, but yet come game day I have to play him or I'm gonna get in trouble and worry I got out of coaching you football. Yeah. I just could deal with that. I'm like I if I wanna put a team on the field, I wanna put a competitive team on the field that we can go with championships because you know why does it more important to feel like you're a part of a championship team that you've got a couple of plays in today that you might have fucked your team. Yeah. And I, I could not understand that, and we see that at every level of athletics. And I yep. don't understand how you're going to cultivate an attitude of being superior anything, and anything that you do gets to cater to the, to the lessers and to cater to the It doesn't mean they can't be great in somebody else's life. Like, there's lots of people who are great, and, and I kind of have this philosophy about life, but I think everybody in the whole world is very optimistic sides of my personality. And everybody yeah. out there can be, a, can be incredibly exceptional at something. You just have to find what that one thing is. Exactly. And it may not be football, or it may not be powerlifting, or it may not, it may not be painting, or music, or it may not be all that it is. The point is that you're probably exceptional at something. I, always, yeah. I had a conversation the other day. You don't think, but this is pretty funny, you don't think that a guy that smoked drugs for 20 years 
and to the country that that, that he's not good at that, that yeah. he plays billions of dollars worth of law enforcement and and millions of guys or whatever that are out to try to bust him, and he's selling drugs for the country. You don't think that guy isn't smart at something? Yeah. That's absurd. Of course he is. Now, could be he could be applied to something that might have been society for folks. Yeah. But he's not a dumb guy. It's not like he doesn't have skills. It's just maybe he's found out what he's really good at is only great because of the country. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's and uh, and like that movie was Catch Me If You Can. I believe that guy ended up working for the FBI, right? Because he's yeah. the greatest uh, uh, counterfeit guy ever. Yeah. But, but how that ties in with everything is that we should reward people should be rewarded for being exceptional. And the guy that comes there that isn't as exceptional, I, I, why do I why am I supposed to reward him just because he's there? Yeah. No, and that's one of the great, I mean, it's, it's one of the things that, it, you know, we've had very few, very few people come out and say bad things. Sure, there's some, and sometimes people say bad things, you hear them louder than all the good things about the Federations. But but one of the things that has come out about the Federation was that, um, oh, well, they're just trying to be hardcore. You know, one winner. It's like, no, we're not being hardcore, we're being real. You know, you send, went, a kid out in life, you send a kid out in life and he thinks that he can win for showing up, that's not real life. I, you know, when, I mean. When did having an overall winner make you a hardcore? Yeah, it's just, it's just reality that one, there can only be one number one. What is it that off of. Uh, that's called, what is, uh, we should rename it the Highlander Federation. Yeah, there, there can be only one. You yeah. know, it's uh, what's the uh, quote from. Uh, God, that NASCAR spoof flick. You know, oh, if you're not first, you're last. You know, yeah, there's yeah. only one freaking winner. Right. Yeah, Talladega Nights. And I mean, but it's not a bad thing. And that's that's the thing. I mean, most of the people I know that are great lifters and they're in powerlifting, they didn't get to be great by wanting to be number one. They didn't come into their first, their tenth, their 15th competition expecting, I'm going to win a trophy, I'm going to be first. They went into that competition, every everyone after the first one, they went into it trying to do better than they did in their last one. Right, exactly. And along the way, if you consistently go in and do better than your last one, you're probably going to beat a few people along the way. Yep. Uh, more so than if you're concentrated on, you know, if I'm always concentrating on what Paul Carter's doing in the squat, I'm not concentrating enough on my own work. Yeah, that's that's something I've written a lot about. Actually, is that you can't you can't care about what other people do. I mean, that doesn't have any impact on your life or your lifting. And the sooner you let go of that, the more powers you become because all the things that you need to do to get better are very clear. Yeah. No, and there's the only one person you can control. Yourself. You know yourself, and that's the same part about you know I've heard that in you know as far as the drugs go. In lifting, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, if I'm worried about if I'm worried about what John's doing, I'm not worried about my own training. I'm just bitching and moaning because somebody else might be doing something. I don't care what he's doing. I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to get in and I'm going to do my best. And you know, if my best is 24th, but last time I was in 25th, I succeeded. And that's what I got. Yeah, and that's what I got, and that's all that matters. And that's that's the great thing about individual sports 
Um, I mean, not that I don't love team sports, but on a level, individual sports are great because that because you got no one to blame and no one to rely on but yourself. Right. Um, you know, it's you, you. You come up and lift. You're an Olympic lifter, a power lifter. You throw a shot put or something. It comes down to it. You're the one and only. If you win or if you fail, it's all on your shoulders. Nobody, nobody's going to figure out. Yeah. I mean, you can blame it on your coach, I suppose. But, hey, you picked your coach. Why didn't you go to somebody else? <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. Same way with, exact same way with fighting. You, you know, a lot of people don't like that because it's, there's a certain amount of accountability that comes with that. And oh, I, yeah. And we're in such a generation talk, I think. The people don't, that's why we have trophies for people. We've got a place in the military, police, masters, fire, open, heavyweight division. Yeah. Because, you know, it, and it sounds like a cop out that people don't want to be accountable. You know, you want to show up and be told that you're, that you're off. And, you know, people will walk up and say, yeah, you really kind of suck. I mean, you know, you just bought it in 75. He's like, well, I'm 60 years old. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I know it. Who is the guy who used to train with John Cook in? He's pulling like 700 plus, like 68 right now. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, he's got a big fucking Hulk Hogan mustache. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't yeah. recall the name. But yeah, I could get off on uh, I could get off on a rant about mustaches all day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think I think honestly, as far as the the classes go, to me the biggest joke that came around was I Masters doesn't bother me that much. Because, yeah, something's going to happen after you turn 50, 55. You know, I don't expect to be where I am. when I, But, you know, the biggest joke that came about in my mind, as far as powerlifting goes, was when they start a submasters class at 35. It's like, yeah. come on. You know, most people aren't even in their prime till their mid to late 30s at least. Well, I, I think possibly if, you, if you've really been lifting a long time, I think your late 30s or early 40s. Yeah. It's probably your strength problem. Yeah, and sure we got we got freaks coming out there now like what Eric Lillibridge and stuff like that. But hell, who knows if he stays to it and stays healthy, what he'll do at thirty five, forty. Well, you know that's interesting. I need to know. You remember who Mike Webster, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Yeah. The center played for him for all those years. Was a great lifter. You know he talks about that. He actually wrote a couple of really awesome pieces that were actually out on the starting street website. Yeah. And, you know, he talks about that. He said there's so many guys that are super gifted that come out, and I already, I can name off the names that I'm not going to, that come out and everybody, these guys, they find themselves in dust, and they tear this, they tear that, and then yeah. five, seven years, you never hear from them. Yeah. And he said, and then there's guys that just won't go away, they keep hanging around after 20 and 30 years, and they become great listeners. Yeah. And, that kind of made me feel good because I kind of cast us kind of into that that round because I wasn't I wasn't naturally very gifted, yeah. um, and I've just stayed at it so long that now my lift has moved into a you know a respectable range, and you have to you know a lot of these these kids I see now that hit these you know a lot of these really big lifts I think to myself you know how long do you think you're going to be able to train at that train like mm-hmm. that. Or use those kind of lists when you you're already been injured, you know. You know, I know one particular kid, he's injured about every few months, but every time I see like a training video or any he doesn't hit in his feet anywhere near when he gets to his training, 
And I think to myself, it's just because you're, you can't, you're not leaving your ego at the concern. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to figure out whether or not this is something you want to do for the long haul if you're just going to try to put all your, your eggs to the basket and get a couple of shots at it on the land. Yeah. But I don't want to get us too sidetracked. Yeah. Uh, I just want to throw that out there. No, I mean, I just think, that, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's, uh, you know, I just, just the submasters thing, I guess, you know, and that's what I've talked to people. I guess, you know, it'd be great, I guess, if you got somebody that's starting, like they're 35 years old and they just started. But still, making that class and making an award for it is just, it's just part of that problem we just talked about. Well, Not I, everybody deserves a trophy. When I, was talking, <laughs> you know? when I was talking to Peg about it, you know, Jason Peg. Well, I was talking to Peg about it because he and I talk every day. Yeah. And he was said he said he said at first one class. Oh, that's it. I don't give a shit. He said, yeah. I don't "Care if you're 15 years old, you're competing against Chuck Logan." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I said, "Okay." I said, "I'm kind of on board with that." I said, "But I think if you're 16 years old or 17, asking you to compete against a stand effort, you're kind of ridiculous." Yeah. So that's why we created the, the juniors division. Yeah. Because I do think, you know, after 18, there's a lot of 19, 20, 21-year-old kids who are ridiculously strong. Yes. But I didn't feel like asking a 16-year-old to fight for first place against a, a genetically gifted 35-year-old is very fair to No, well, they haven't lived enough years on the planet that Stan's been training. you got to remember, at 15, man, you're only like three or four years removed from playing with G.I. Joe's. Yeah. You just began playing with yourself like six years ago. Like, yeah, just a few years ago, <laughs> you, know? figured out, you just figured out what your wiener was really for. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, and like I was saying, I mean, you've, guys like you, me, and not to put us on the same level as like a Stan or a freaking Ed Cone, but, you know, we we have trained longer than they have lived. You know, exactly. they were we were training when their mom was, when they were suckling on their mom's breast. You know, it's not fair. So... <laughs> Um, yeah. I don't no. ask to hear a kid, although I do know that one kid, uh, I don't know if you heard about this kid, he's like 19 years old and went 1850 raw, don't these rats, at 198. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Je- what's his, uh, Je- Jesse Norris, I believe his name. Yeah. And uh, he, I think the year before, when he was 18, he went 1809, he was 183. He could have got two pounds and had a 181 record forever. Oh. Yeah. Well, either way, there are kids like that. Is what I'm saying. Oh, for sure, but they're rare. Oh, yeah. Have you seen this kid? He's like yeah. he, he's a physical specimen. Yeah. And, and one night, and he's got uh, he's got his, you know his deadlift lockout two inches two inches above the seat, and he's got you know big hamstrings, quads. Um, you know he's he's got all he's got the whole leverage package. Exactly, and you no, know, that's what I'm getting at. Is like you know the the reason there's the the exclusion of, say, a submasters class is that the the same reason there's only one first place. The only reason to have a submasters class is to give somebody else a first place trophy for not really being in first. And I don't want to have a whole bunch of trophies at the meet. No. No. No, I agree, and that's why you know we're giving away one cash prize. You know, exactly. real lifters. I don't know how many. I've won a lot of different things. And I don't have, I'm in my office, and I look around here, and I don't see any of my trophies. 
It's because they're all gathering dust in some corner. That you know, recently I gave mine to my daughter. Oh, here you go. You want this? I, I don't care about that two dollar piece of plastic. Yeah, I don't either. It doesn't mean anything to me. You now, if you give me some cash, I'm good with that. <laughs> I have my drugs with that. <laughs> so, and I mean that that makes first place mean something, you know? Yeah, hookers. I like hookers. Yeah, there you go. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay. What would be better after taking first place in a beat where you set a world record, where you get cash and get hookers a plus? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that you can line up a better night. Yeah. You know, you want to meet and you get hookers and blow. I mean, what be that? <laughs> I mean, you're in the hotel room. You You'd have to like if you want to meet and like broke the the squat, bench, deadlift, and total record, and got money to hookers and blow. Oh, see, I don't. I might. I might go ahead and let myself die after that. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I guess it depends on the cash price because. Talking like a hundred plus cash price. First off, I'm you know I'm not gonna get much flow. I'm not gonna get much flow either, guys. No, yeah. Because that's why we throw the worlds in like you know somewhere deep down Mexico, where if you win a hundred dollars cash, you can do a lot with it. Yeah, you can get like a get a resort. Yeah, you could buy a small island. What? Yeah, you yeah. can have like you can have like a whole. We've just went way off the rocker, but it, it was a perfect time. Um, we only got like two minutes left here, so. All right, uh, so let's uh, let's talk more about what there's this month. Well, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that would be a perfect night. Uh, did you want to close with anything specific? No, I mean, I think it's just, you know, basically the, the points we're hitting on is, you know, not even the to push the federation, it's just the meaning behind it is, I think, the biggest thing. It's just, you know... So no, I, and I want to clear something else up. There's no ulterior motive behind the federation. Like, there's no need for Phil and I to make money or any kind of shit like that. I mean, it's, it's really more about the legitimacy of power. Yeah, and that's all it is. I mean, if, if we wanted to make money, we wouldn't have capped the entry fees. I, I had somebody make say something gross. Well, you know, we had that, we could have brought that up the whole message for thing this past week. That was a good time. Um, yeah. That wrote something to the effect of about, he made me funny or something. I thought, I, I've written over a thousand articles in the last four years. Uh, yeah. Like, I feel three podcasts. I answer 150 to 200 questions a week. Um, you know, doing I radio with you today. You and I do this kind of stuff. Me and Jamie. Yeah. If I wanted to make money, I can. There are so many other things that I can do to make money. I mean, that's the thing is there's, if we wanted to make money, we would look like other federations where 
you got to pay us $40 just to carry our little card that we send you in the mail. And then right. you're going to pay us $120 per meet, you know, to lift in the, the federation that you already paid 30 or 40 bucks. And, uh, you're going to pay $30 for a shirt. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not, it's not about that. Um, and that's pretty evident. I mean, a large part of the money we bring in from meets goes right back to whoever wins the damn thing. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, the people who, wherever it's hosted at, that's going to cost money. So there's some entry fee there. But it's a, uh, you know, it's it's more just about the principles of it. I don't I don't care. I mean, that's just like this radio show. I've been doing it four years, and last year was the first year that me, Lonnie, and Rob didn't lose money. Right, and I, you know. Yeah. And we didn't make any money. Here's the other thing. There's no money to really be made in powerlifting unless you're... No. There, there are guys that make a good living. You know, like, you know, I'm sure Dave Tate makes a good living or Mark Bell. How many, how many Dave Tate's and Mark Bell Exactly. And we've just eliminated the ability to make money by making all the lifting pretty much raw. I mean... <laughs> I think a large part of the reason powerlifting became more equipped is they needed to find a way to monetize it. Yeah, that was the only way you could do it. When you have to, yeah, it was. I mean, because, you know, you buy one belt and one set of wraps, even if you wear knee wraps like I do, I'm set. You know, I've had the same pair of frickin' knee wraps for like eight years. <laughs> I don't need another set. So, but if, you, if you're throwing on a bench shirt, bench shoot, you got briefs under that and this and that, those things wear out after a few training cycles. I gotta buy more. I gotta buy more. I gotta. Oh, I need the new Centurion double triple ply metal gear shirt. Yeah. You know, the alien art. I mean, there there is no money made, and I don't care about that. You know, we want to throw good meets for good people who actually want to lift, and you know, award first place to somebody. So. So yeah, Paul. Thanks for thanks for joining us, talking about hookers and blow and training oh. and everything else. Yeah, and I'm always, always glad to be on here to help you out, brother. Well, I will talk to you later, bud. All right, man. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the iRadio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, 
practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the liter literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I've done it for that purpose. I did it because like you, I wanna have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.